Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Squat Cobbler, episode 65. I'm Kelly Tool at K-E-L-L-Y-T-H-U-L on Twitter and Instagram. And with me, as always, is... I am Mike at Official Pagan on everything. And the prisoner exchange continues. It's been interesting because the last kind of several albums that have been offered up have been holding special places in both of our hearts. These have been some of our favorites. My Graham Parker one was super big. Our last Prisoner Exchange, we covered Mike's favorite album from his favorite band, Psychotica, self-titled. And now we come to a big Captain Beefheart fan of all the Captain Beefheart work. This is my favorite Captain Beefheart album, Shiny Beast, Bat Chain Puller. So, so top line reaction, Mike. Let's, let's, we'll get a little bit of that and we'll talk about the artwork in a moment. So, there's been a theme with the past couple of Kelly recommendations where he's recommended artists that I have some familiarity with, but haven't delved too deeply into. And this is another case of that. So I am familiar with Captain Beefheart from his contribution to uh, Willie the Pimp, the uh, Frank Zappa song. That was my introduction to Beefheart. Uh, there was a producer who I had worked with before uh, who taught me a lot of the stuff that I know about production and music. And he was a huge Beefheart fan. So he would put on Beefheart tracks when we were in the studio together, but I've never listened to a Beefheart album all the way through. So this is my first time really sitting down and really delving into a Beefheart album. And I really enjoyed it. I'm glad to hear that. (laughs) Relieved to hear that. It's really interesting because this is probably of all of his albums, the most accessible in that it's still 100% Captain Beefheart. And you're going to get all the kind of sinewy serpentine musical construction that, uh, that he's known for, but kind of delivered in a way that is just a little more accessible. So like, uh, and this is on a past, I believe it was nurturing sport where I recommended trout mass replica, trout mass replica pretty much. And you can Google it folks. Most people like I had to listen to this album five or six times before I got it. <laughs> and it just takes a lot of work to understand Trump mass replica. This one doesn't take that level of work, but you still, in my opinion, get the same level or greater enjoyment of it. So uh, I'm really excited to talk about it. the cover is a painting by the protagonist, Captain Beefheart. Uh, he's uh, was a sculptor, an artist and a musician. And so this is one of his, um, one of his pieces of artwork. What were your thoughts on the cover of Shiny Beast, Mike? So I thought it was interesting, but I'm not 100% sure what's happening in the image. That seems to be consistent with most of Mr. Beefheart's work. <laughs> Ice Cream for Crow, which was, I, be- I believe, his last album, uh, has a more confusing painting of his. <laughs> but this one's pretty confusing. But it looks like two friendly, melon-headed things <laughs> painted, <laughs> hanging in there. But it's kind of a cool cover. Uh, for those of you who have watched any of the past narcotic radios and some other things where we had the cameras going uh, often in the background, there was a kind of a wall of nine pieces of album art. The shiny beast bat chain puller uh, album art is one of the ones that made it to that. So I like, I like the cover quite a bit, but I too don't exactly know what's going on, but I like it. It's cool. Get I, your yeah, I do like it. I'm just not a hundred percent sure what's happening. So let's just jump right into it. Floppy boot stomp. So, uh, my opinion, we get to we go from zero to to one hundred in a hurry. So the floppy boot stomp is one hundred percent Captain Beefheart. It's got this kind of jangly guitar stuff going on, a, mir- uh, a kind of amazing, evocative sets of lyrics. We got the sky turning white in the middle of the night and talking about the hoodoo hoedown. 
and it just kind of comes roaring out at you in a way that a lot of past beef art songs maybe didn't, but it just really picks up the pace right from the beginning. A super strong start to the album, in my opinion. This is one of my favorite songs on the album. So we're both first song guys. And what I love about this as an album opener is just how abrupt a start this is. Kelly definitely touched on that, but I really can't stress it enough. Like I almost thought, because I was listening to it on my phone and I thought maybe I had the volume down and I missed like the opening because it sounds like it just, it sounds like the band started playing. Then they started recording on almost like a, a mid note kind of thing. And I, I really like that. I really like that abrupt start to it. The sound of this, I, I love the title as well. <laughs> um, the sound of the track is, I would say what I expected based on the other Beefheart material I'd been exposed to. But I can't say that about everything on this album. There, there was definitely some sonically some surprises for me based on my limited exposure to Beefheart. But sound wise, this was in line with what I thought. I thought it was a really strong opener, though. And again, the abrupt start for me was really cool. Yeah, it is. It, um, it's one of the best songs on the album. And it just, like I said, takes no prisoners. It's going right away. You get the, the Beefheart vocals, which are and the imagery. It's just a really, really strong start. Uh, and indeed, what you point out is that there's there's major tonality shifts <laughs> through this album. This this is 100% Captain Beefheart wheelhouse kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, this is sonically what I expected going into it. And I don't mean that in a negative way. Like, this is exactly what I thought it would be. I really like the abrupt start to it. And then when we got to sonically, like, this is what I was anticipating. And I mean that in a really good way. Like, all right, I'm really going to enjoy this. And then there were, there were some twists coming that I wasn't expecting, but... This song is definitely what I had in my head as the Captain Beefheart sound. Definitely. And super, super strong song. So we'll, we'll get right to some shifts right away here. So we'll move into Tropical Hot Dog Night. Uh, another amazing title with the lyrics like two flamingos in a fruit fight. So it's got this almost, it, as in the name, there's this kind of almost tropical cabana-y kind of tonality going to it a lot of a lot of horns in it as well hoping that the girls are going to come out to see the monster tonight <laughs> and so but it it is it is definitely a shift from what is like 100 percent beef heart in the in a floppy boot to you can still he's there it's kind of clear in the creative lyrics and the vocal delivery but a much more accessible cabana-y kind of tonality to tropical hot dog night i'm about to reiterate some of the stuff that you just said based on my notes again i love the title tropical hot dog night i'm not a hot dog fan myself but i love the title of the song we're both lyrics guys two flamingos in a fruit fight as kelly already quoted i I just that really really stuck with me (laughs) something that i kept saying in my head not quite the way the same way that that kelly was obsessed with jesus kissing his thigh from our psychotica review but definitely it wasn't wasn't my thigh (laughs) i'd like to clarify (laughs) No, that's how I remember it. And uh, but yeah, that was a line that really stuck with me that I thought was really funny and was kind of making me giggle hours after I listened to the track initially. I liked the horns in it. So I I personally like horns. And I think that horns are a difficult thing to pull off, though, in a rock environment. I think I've heard a lot of tracks that used horns that to me, the horns were either ill placed or just didn't add anything to the song. And this is just a great use of horns. I think when horns are used properly in this type of more rock oriented environment, I I think they're a great addition to songs. The only thing I would say, um, again, you mentioned the cabana vibe to it, which I really enjoyed as well. The only time I can think of a rock band using that sort of cabana vibe 
as well would be uh, Ween on their song Bananas and Blow. Other than that, though, I, I can't really think of good rock songs that have sort of a cabana feel to them. And I, I mean that all in a complimentary way. We'll jump right into Ice Rose, another really good title. This is an instrumental. There's a couple instrumentals on this album. This one, so Captain Beefheart and Frank Zappa went to the same high school. And wouldn't we all have liked to have gone to that high school? Uh, this is one, and they have collaborated uh, Willie the Pimp, as you mentioned. Bongo Fury, an album they did together, is also uh, super fun. This has definitely got that Zappa-esque kind of structuring to it as far as instrumental goes, which is typically not where you see Beefheart go, but it does, it is, it is almost, this could appear on a Zappa album, I would think in terms of just the structure of it as well. Multiple tempo changes that kind of occur throughout Ice Rose. So a really intriguing, unique instrumental, not as truly Beefheartian, (laughs) in my opinion, as a lot of the rest of the stuff on the album, but a good song. So truly Beefheartian is amazing. Um, (laughs) Uh, I totally agree, though. My note on this is Zappa <laughs> was my note on this song. Uh, see, I really enjoyed this. I like instrumentals. There, There's a lot of twists and pivots on this album, and it was cool to, you know, I we're three tracks in, and I feel like we've gotten three really distinct tracks, and that's something that's going to continue into the next one. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought an instrumental was a, a cool change of pace. It is very much this could have been taken off of a Frank Zappa album. I don't mean that in a bad way because I'm a Zappa fan, but this, you know, when you mentioned it not being as beef hearty and to me, I almost felt like I accidentally switched over to a Zappa album listening to this. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but we, we correct that almost immediately (laughs) (laughs) by by moving into, which is not necessarily uh, again, kind of, standard beef art fair but in some ways it is because it's the man was always incredibly kind of gifted and kind of he was a painter and a lot of times he would paint with words and that's kind of what happens here in harry irene which is the next song a very different tempo to it storytelling kind of uh he's just basically telling the story about harry irene were who were a couple that ran a canteen as he keeps going through there the word play and the and the imagery just gets crazy amazing apparently their tuna sandwiches could turn darkness into daylight they sold wine like turpentine to painters they took to social life like props to aviators which is just to me kind of magic and then he talked about them uh they ran a canteen and then at the very tail end of the song he started talking about well ran a canteen took irene and harry was left holding an empty canteen and it was just it's just a really kind of fun storyline uh from there again now this is like the fourth song completely each one kind of goes to a different place this is an enjoyable listen i was really thrown off when this song started i knew i was going to get some diversity i knew it was going to be somewhat experimental this is something i really wasn't expecting but I mean that in a good way. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the, the storytelling aspect that Kelly said. I feel like I'm going to be repeating a lot of the things that Kelly said, obviously, throughout these songs. But I was just mainly thrown by the the abrupt change in style and particularly in Beefheart's vocal delivery. But in a good way, it, it shows so much diversity. And like Kelly said, we're four songs in and these are four songs that work well on the same album but could also exist on four totally different albums by four different bands at this point so then we move to you know you're a man and so now now we're starting to get kind of back back into the kind of core beef heart vibe there's no skips on this album for me in terms of everything 
on this album. This is in the in the bottom third for me. It is it's definitely got all the beef heart elements to it. It's a really strong vocal delivery on it. There's some interesting stuff going on with the guitar. It's a it's a, a much more driving, harder song. Certainly following Harry Irene, it's another major kind of shift in tone, but uh, you're starting to kind of get back to beef heart land a little bit here. And uh, it's a good song. I just think there's a lot of stuff before and after it that is better. I really enjoyed this. Again, you know, abrupt shift, really big pivot. Um, as Kelly mentioned, again, it's, you know, it's a harder edge, more driving song. And coming after Harry Irene, it makes it seem almost like heavy. I think if this had come, you know, between, say, Floppy Boot Stomp and Tropical Hot Dog Night, it would still be a harder edge driving song. But when you put it after something like Harry Irene, which which has a distinctly slower pace to it, this song really seems like so much harder edged than it probably would paired with those songs. And that that's why sequencing is important on an album. I, I think that's a great thing. I love these sort of abrupt changes that we're getting. Yeah, it's it's a fascinating album because it just kind of goes many, many different places. So then when I bought the album and I saw it head on it, when I see Mommy, I Feel Like a Mummy, I said, well, that's clearly going to be my favorite song. <laughs> <There's> just, <laughs> you know, it's goofy. It's exactly it. I think Floppy Boot is just much more textured and clever and in, involved. This is, a, I do love the song quite a bit. When I see Mommy, I feel like a mummy going to wrap her up. going to wrap her up. And it's got all the kind of neat little beef heart notes that you'd expect. So feels like a beef heart song. It's funny. It's clever. Uh, and it kind of lumbers along in a really interesting way. And so I was kind of sold on the title of the song. So I was like, it's a very good chance I'm going to like this song. It delivered uh, It delivered on the title 100%. I think we skipped a song. We did? Bat Chain Puller. Oh, my God. We did skip a song. My, my apologies. I, I had written down my notes uh, because I... I'm sorry. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> so keep that that when I see mommy, I feel like a mummy comment. We'll come back and well, why, why don't we go ahead and give me your reaction? And we'll come back to bed, Chain Polar. Okay. Uh, so let me uh, let me skip ahead on my notes here. <laughs> of course, I love the title of the song. Uh, the same as you. I I really I was like, this is going to be my favorite song based on the title. Uh, it wasn't my favorite, but it, it's definitely up there for me. I really like the guitar riffs on this song, particularly. They really stood out. Not that I didn't like the guitar work up until this point, but this was the first song really where the riffs really stuck out to me. Yeah, it definitely, definitely did. And I apologize for the uh, fumble on the chirping there. But as I put my notes together for this, I don't really need a lot of notes for this. I just need the song titles and and a couple things. And with Bat Chain Polar, I'm like, I don't need anything on that. I totally know that song. And so apparently I was so confident in my knowledge of it, I left it off my list. But let's go back. (laughs) That before we get to when I see mommy, I feel like a mummy. We get the title track, Bat Chain Puller, a tour de force of Captain Beefheart in so many respects. From a music standpoint, uh, this is ultimately it's this idea of your train of thought and a train, and he's kind of blending that in together. And the music, as it starts off, there's this very kind of rhythmic stuff that's going on that is very reminiscent of, you can totally kind of get the idea of a locomotion and that kind of stuff going on. And so that kind of runs through the whole song. Incredible kind of lyrics from a beef art point of view, just fascinating stuff. But it is this whole really clever kind of insight of train of thought, train, how does it come together? It's a very organic song and a really strong standout on this album. It, it and Floppy Boot are two 
big ones. One more coming that I'm going to talk about, but this is highly deserving of being the title track because this is Captain Beefheart 100% and a fantastic song. This might be my favorite on the album. There's another one that I really love equally. It's definitely one of my favorites, though. So I, I don't do any, I try not to do any research on an album before going into it so I can have as much of a clean slate as possible. And I hadn't, I'm not sure if I'd heard any of the individual tracks off of this album, but I definitely not listened to the album before and I didn't do any research. And then after I listened to it twice, I started to look some stuff up and I seen, and I don't know how accurate this is because I believe it was from Wikipedia, but I had seen that the inspiration for this song was the rhythm of his windshield wipers on his car. And that makes sense listening to, I don't know how accurate of a fact that is, but it makes sense when you listen to it there are some cool like analog synth blips and things like that peppered throughout here which obviously appealed to me so i really loved it in that sense also this sort of reminds me and you know i'm sure kelly was thinking the same thing this reminds me of a prince song (laughs) instead of my usual this reminds me of a beach boy song this reminds me of a prince song there's a prince song called chlorine bacon skin that was released on a compilation album called crystal ball and it has sort of the same like very loose train of thought kind of feel to it that this has. So it kind of put me in mind of that. And I mean that in a positive way. That's I'm a big Prince fan and that's one of my favorite Prince songs. So, so I believe in the annals of recorded history, this is the first time that um, Prince and Captain Beefheart have been aligned. <laughs> so, wow. So I'm not, I'm not familiar with the Prince Prince song that uh, you're talking about, but I will have to, I'll have to check that out structurally. And my apologies again for kind of goofing things up. This is the thing that uh, ends on the vinyl version, side one. So you, you start side one off with floppy boot stomp and you end with bat chain puller, which is kind of a one-two punch from there and a lot of interesting things in between. Flip over to side two and we kick off with when I see mommy, I feel like a mummy. Another incredible start to it. Uh, and then we move on to, and I've now brought up the album listing to make sure I don't <laughs> uh, jump off of things anymore. I cannot believe I left Bat Chain Puller off. I love that song. But Ode to Alex follows When I See Mommy, I Feel Like a Mummy. Uh, sorry for the order issue again, folks. My favorite song on the album is Ode to Alex. Uh, this is Stupid Heart, Cupid Heart. <laughs> kind of right out of the gate uh, is uh, he delivers it. This is the beef heart vocal taking a putt up to Carson City. He just spits the lyrics out in a really cool way. This this song just kind of drives through, and it's just on an album where Floppy Boots Stop and Bad Chain Polar and When I See Mommy have all been amazing songs. This one nudges them out for me because I just think this is, this is of all of them, the one I'll always go back to first because I just truly love this song. This is definitely one of my favorites, probably my favorite song on the album. Uh, this is, you know, the one I was saying that Batchy and Puller is one of my favorites, probably tied with another. This is that song. I like how it starts with the kind of like shrill, almost like squeals musically. And then it builds into this this really great sort of driving guitar track later on that feels really unexpected in, in a good way. Again, there there's so many changes on this, but this is definitely probably my my favorite song on the album up until this point and favorite song overall on the album. Yeah, and some great harmonica work on this one. Uh, Beefheart will feature that from time to time as well. But this is this is a tour de force of Beefheart, a really you know, a standout song on an album that already had some really good stuff on it. 
then things get a little interesting. <laughs> so we move into to um, Candle Mambo being a Beefheartian scholar. Uh, I am very familiar with, uh, as he's always had kind of an issue with contracts with record companies and a, a guy who's creating incredible music, but never really kind of caught the, the public attention that he well deserved. So in his career, there was a period of time he said, okay, fine, I'm going to kind of, I'm going to go for creating albums that are going to sell. And so he put together two fairly, cons- one horrifically concerning album and one, eh, it's okay. Uh, first one was called Blue Jeans and Moonbeams, which is really bad, <laughs> horribly bad. Uh, and then Strictly uh, Guaranteed, uh, which wasn't quite as bad, but they were clearly commercial plays to get that beef art bluesy voice and try and create things that would be more consumable by the general public. Candle Mambo feels like it could fit in that world, but it was like, if I, if I was going to do it like really, really good, this would be the song. So it is highly accessible. It's, but it is a, it is a almost straightforward, which you're not used to seeing with Beefheart, almost a straightforward song, whether it's, I mean, it's good imagery, great lyrics and those types of things, but it is, it is a very, Un, it does not sound like a Captain Beefheart song. I like it. It's interesting, but it's kind of jarring <laughs> uh, in terms of, of where it fits in there because it's just a, a much different tonality. So because I don't have the familiarity with the catalog that you do, I don't know, you know, as far as like the more commercial stuff goes, like I don't have that comparison. Uh, the one thing I will say about this song is it is xylophone heavy and I'm a xylophone guy. So that did kind of win me over. But to Kelly's point, though, this is seemingly, you know, xylophone aside, I'm not sure how mainstream xylophones are, but it does seem like a, a way more accessible song than, say, a floppy boot stomp or a bat chain puller. Yeah, it's a real interesting addition. It's it's nice because there's such variety on this on this album, but there's things that stand out much stronger than, than Campbell Mambo. This Campbell Mambo is probably my, my least favorite. No skips on this album for me, but uh i i look forward to ode to alex and bat chain polar and harry Irene and floppy boots now much more than than candle mambo so kind of sticking with the hmm this is a little different we, we move into now this kind of bluesy noir love lies a little you getting hints of beef art back into it but again a bit more of a straightforward song about a relationship and him telling love lies and things not working out again, a little bit of xylophone action in this as well. A good song. I think candle mambo and love lies kind of though, they're in the kind of same camp in terms of pretty accessible. Doesn't have all the edges that you typically see on a beef heart song. One of the things that I think is really interesting about this album is it holds together cohesively yet. Every song has such a strong identity of its own. Candle Mama and Love Lies, though, are almost like a pairing of songs to me because they almost feel like whereas every song on this album could have been on a completely separate project, those two definitely feel similar. There's a through line between those two songs that at no other part of the album do you feel a through line from song to song. Every song brings something completely different to the table. These two songs, and yeah, you get xylophone again, but... Overall, sonically, these there's a distinct through line to me between these two songs, and they are definitely way more accessible than anything you've gotten on the album. Which we'll fix <laughs> immediately <laughs> with suction prints. So this is another, uh, this is the, the last instrumental. 
on the album. Amazing song for me. Really, really enjoyable. It's got the tempo changes, the very creative structuring that Beefheart does uh, in in music. And it's just this kind of great music sculpture of a song and uh, a really interesting listen. So uh, we definitely get back to kind of hardcore Beefheart with suction prints. I really enjoyed the instrumental in the first half. So I was happy that there was another instrumental because it's something that they did really well. So I wanted to hear more of that. What was cool about this and Kelly already mentioned is structurally, it's really interesting. And a lot of times when I listen to something, especially an instrumental on any kind of a rock oriented project, once you kind of get a certain, get to a certain point in the song, you kind of know where the song is going to go. Either it's, you know, something that's, soft and mellow that's going to act as a bridge between two songs maybe it's something that's building up towards a big soaring finale i had no idea at any point where this song was going to go there's so many great change-ups in it it's so structurally interesting i really like this song because i i really didn't know what was going to happen in it and that's a really cool thing yeah it's this really weird combination of it it's it feels out of control with a plan <laughs> i mean because it's just because you do not know from what moment to next where it's going to go. But every every place it kind of checks in is interesting and fun to listen to. So to finish off, we got this great instrumental, and then the album uh, wraps up with a spoken word track called Apesma that is really interesting to me. I, I enjoy it quite a bit. It's short. It's, it's kind of a harrowing little tale, uh, including, so it's, it's Beefheart talking to Apesma, who's apparently eating too much and going to the bathroom too much. Uh, but you know, the the moment in this very brief song that is just uh, super special to me is you know he goes Abe's mother the little girl that named you has died now <laughs> you know it's just like okay that's a nice touch from there but it's just kind of a very interesting kind of spoken word so the other talked about him being a sculptor a painter and a musician the other thing before was was a poet and I think to a degree this is that kind of hybrid between poetry and just kind of delivery of, of spoken word again another surprise on an album full of surprises but a kind of a fun way to end the album. Yeah, I thought it was an interesting way to end the album uh, with a spoken word track. I enjoyed it. I definitely thought it was interesting. Now, it, because you're way more familiar with this than I am, does this tie to something else on the album or the artwork or anything like that? I have no freaking clue <laughs> on this one here. I, so I think there's a little bit of this idea of, of simian capture and uh, people not, you know, animals not being free and what could kind of happen there. But I don't, it doesn't, in my understanding, there's no kind of tie to anything, anything else. It's just kind of another, another idea he had. And it's just in a very short spoken word type of thing. He paints a very interesting and intriguing picture. Yeah, it was definitely interesting. I, I was just, because of my not having the familiarity with it, I, w- I was wondering if this was tied to something and I was kind of like not in on the joke in a sense because of not being as familiar with it, but I did enjoy it. And I was definitely intrigued by the story. Yeah. And this was the, when this came out, uh, I'm super bummed because he actually toured to support shiny beast and he actually made his way to Indiana where I grew up. But unfortunately at that point in time, I was not of age. He played at a bar and I was not of age to, to go into the bar, but I could have seen floppy boots stomp live, which would be awesome. <laughs> but I didn't get a chance at vegetable buddies in South Bend, Indiana. But um, I think this, that was actually probably his last tour, but my favorite beef art album, super crazy in terms of lots of different places. It kind of checks in. There are songs you should listen to floppy boots, stomp, 
Bat Chain Puller, When I See Mommy, Ode to Alex are all must-listen tos, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this whole album. I would recommend this to a lot of people. Yeah, and it's a good it's a good primer for Beefheart. You're gonna get kind of a flavor, but then if you start to check into some of his other stuff, he's he's gonna he's gonna get more beefhearty <laughs> on, on a lot of stuff. But this is this is such a good, diverse, fun, good listen to it. It's a great it's a great album and it's unfortunate it doesn't get the attention it deserves because it's a really cool album. All right. So we've made it through another couple of Mike and my favorites. Uh, we'll be very interested to see what kind of comes up next. There'll be more to come. And um, I don't have anything else to add for tonight, unless you do, Mike. Uh, no, that would be it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, everybody.